Thought Bubble Audio. I'm reading an article about how Jamie Lynn Spears had a video that she since deleted telling Elon Musk that he needs to deal with the fact that Teslas kill cats because apparently she killed a bunch of cats with her Tesla. What? But then people were like, why are you killing all of your cats with your Tesla? So then she deleted the video and was like, to be clear, I haven't killed any of my cats with my Tesla. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) What is happening? That's what I just spent the last minute doing. Wow. Hi, I'm Kirstie. And I'm Kelsey. (laughs) And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our show about the things we love and the things we hate and the things we love to hate. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still liking things today. We still like things. We're on our second week in a row of liking things, which I think is good news. Mm -hmm. You're going to be listening to this episode two weeks from the time of recording, which is on January 16th. Three. Three weeks? Oh, shit, that's worse. (laughs) So... (laughs) That's a long time in the current timeline. Yeah. Um, So yeah, hopefully liking things will still be cool by then. Mm. Because that's the place we're in right now. It is the place we're in right now. We're also in the place of now coming to you 10 minutes later than Kirstie projected. Yeah! (laughs) At 11.40 p.m. 11.40. I told you we'd be here at 11.30. And in fairness, Mm -hmm. we were here. We were just talking about other things. Yeah. That happens to us. Jamie Lynn Spears running over her cat. Yeah. With a Tesla. (laughs) Unsubstantiated, but possible. Yeah. (laughs) these investigative journalists will not be investigating that case no no that gets to be someone else's problem yeah um what will we be investigating tonight well before we do that do you have a core core we didn't do core core last week we didn't do core core um (laughs) no i only have a fake core core about our dad tweeting about liam neeson (laughs) I'm still not over that time our dad told Liam Neeson to put on a kilt. Because he needs him in period pieces. Because he needs him in a period piece in response to to Liam Neeson being in a movie right now. We don't know what's happening there Hey, dad, are you okay? Are you okay? The question for all celebrities right now is like, hey, you good? (laughs) There was also a really funny video of Chrissy Teigen not being able to put on riding boots today. Oh. Because apparently the calves were too tight. Oh. And I just really like the idea of this rich person who didn't know that riding boots were tight. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what her experience with horses is, but I just Mm. think that that's like really Mm -hmm. funny. That is funny. <laughs> my core core is the celebrity gossip I've consumed in the last hour. I think my core core is that I've read like almost all of a book about mm. royal fashion this weekend. Oh my god, you have, and the snaps have been lit. Mm-hmm. It's like six hundred pages, but oh my god, hundred of those pages are pictures. So I'm already like three hundred fifty pages in, or so. It's, it's really good. Did you learn anything, or is it just about how famous people use clothing to communicate with the public? It is that. I did make that genius connection between 
Queen Liz and our Queen Liz. Mm. In terms of yes, choosing a uniform. Yes. Which I think is important. Um, we learned that Queen Liz got really excited at a hockey game one time, which was oh. a delightful photo for us. Sure. Um, no, it's mostly just, just clothes. Just admiring <laughs> just some clothes. clothes. <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I think there's something to, like, re- it's the same thing over and over again. Yes. <laughs> but it's like, just like rewatching something over and over again, like, you're just consuming the same narrative. You know where it's gonna go. Yep. It's kind of fun to read it from a different angle, but really, like, it's, just it's comforting. Fill it's in just, a void. Yeah. So. Um, speaking of which, my actual core core, which I forgot that I had, um, and I've mentioned to you in passing, is that I'm endeavoring to reread Outlander. Yeah, you are taking a, a journey that I... I don't advise trying but. to join an outlander book club and i missed the first week of it they're trying to do five chapters a week and so last week they were supposed to do one through five for this week it's supposed to be six through ten which means if i want to get back on track i have to read 10 chapters this week you want to know just drop in yeah which is ultimately what i'm gonna do because you want to <laughs> know how far i am zero pages i'm no i'm more than that i don't know how many pages i'm in because i'm reading on the phone yeah um, but I am not at chapter two yet, so that's an issue. That is an issue. Why is chapter one so long? Because the books aren't that good. <laughs> Dang, y'all, she said it. I said it. She said it at last. The first one was the most compelling. Yes. Because it was probably the most heavily edited, and it was still yes. too long. Yes. And they just got so out of control. Yes. And unfortunately, that's the reason I'm rereading it, because I, like, don't remember. So I read it because I have a library app, and the individual books are always checked out. So the only way I could get it ever was to check out the sets of four. Mm -hmm. But then people were on the waiting list, so I had, like, deadlines, basically. Yeah. So the last four, I read, like... I like speed read. So they all bleed yeah. together and I don't know which book is which. And I, there's whole plot points I completely forgot. So I'm trying again to see if I can actually like retain the book. Mm. Seems like if you're going to read a thing, you might as well retain it. <laughs> I suppose. So <laughs> that's why I'm doing that to myself. And I can't. I'm still in chapter one right now. They're at Loch Ness having a honeymoon. Ah, and it's real um, outlandery. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, I'm also, I've been you. slowly rewatching season one, and I watched a little bit more yesterday, and it was great. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love season one of Outlander. You did send me some spicy snaps this week. Yes. <laughs> we were all ready this They're week. They're mandatory. Yeah, if you're ever going to watch the Je Suis Prey episode, you have to send the moment... Where yeah. he looks down and then up and then at the camera. Yeah. And if you don't send that by Snapchat to somebody, then it's, I think you get like a curse or arrested. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Depends on the day. Depends on the day and the jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Anyway, what did we come anyway, here to talk about? <laughs> we're talking about Ted Lasso! This, I think last week I said this, that last week's episode was something Kelsey's been waiting to do to me, but really this week is yeah. what Kelsey has been waiting to do to me. And I'm, I've been waiting since you watched it to unpack what happened to I think you. Kelsey's really concerned. I think this is going to be a concerning episode for Kelsey. I don't know where I, we're going to go with this one. I am concerned. I think there's a chance for a breakthrough. I think there's a chance for some plot twists. I think this yeah. conversation could potentially go places. I think so, too. Yeah. I think also this conversation is going to illuminate some of the challenges with having 90% of your communications occur by Slack. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 All right. Where are we starting? Oh, God, I don't know. I've been rewatching, and I'm like six or seven or eight episodes in, so I'm almost done. But I watched it in rapid fire, which is not how I watched it the first time because we tried to make it last mm -hmm. as long as we could, which was like a whole 10 days. Yep. We only let ourselves watch like one or two wow. a day. And that's a lot of restraint for us. That is a lot of restraint. And I think it slaps more the second time. I can see that. I've been having like a lot of reactions so and I, emotions. I disclosed to Kelsey when I, early in my time watching it, that I wasn't 100% sure it was for me. Yeah. And um, I guess I guess what I'll say up front about it is that I liked it. I take no issue with it. I think they did everything right. It's a well-written show. It's a well-directed show. It's an interesting show. It's a funny show. Like, it's got all these good things. Mm -hmm. But it didn't, like... We didn't have a soulmate connection. But I think a few things about that. I think okay. it. you noted this, and I know this is true because I've seen it as well. There are members of the critic community who have said that it didn't resonate the first time around. Mm -hmm. I also had this feeling when I was done with it, like I didn't necessarily emotionally connect with it. But it also, it wasn't like Bridgerton where it ended and I was like, well, that was fun. Anyway. Yeah. Like, it did stick with me. I'm still yeah. thinking about it. Mm -hmm. The other thing I really thought about, which I think could be influenced by rewatch, is I was thinking about Parks and Rec. And the fact that that's a show that had a lot of seasons to build a relationship. Yeah. And Ted Lasso is only one season. Yeah. And one season is a lot to ask of a show to, like, really embed itself into your heart and mind. Mm. So I think there, there might be, like, a time and exposure issue here. Mm -hmm. I think also, which I said a little bit in the Pilot Palooza episode about the show, it comes out the gate like Ted Lasso himself. Like, it just walks into a room and is like, this is who I am, and this is what I'm going to do today, and yep. this is just how it is, and we're going to be friends. Yeah. And I think, similar to the other characters around Ted Lasso, <laughs> <laughs> my heart and mind was not ready to receive <laughs> that kind of positive Kirstie energy. Here's the right kind of this exactly. experience. Exactly. <laughs> I just wasn't ready to receive that kind of positive energy. Yeah. 
Like, I knew it was coming. I just don't, like, I think my read on it this time around was like, I get it. He's a nice guy and he's going to come in and change everybody's lives and everyone's going to end the season being a better person than they started. Like, cool. Yeah. Um, But I could see that being more powerful on a second watch. I also think it's like, they do a good job of telling you up front that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not like meant to be a surprise mm-hmm. that like, oh, wow, he really breaks through and turns things around. He tells you right there that that's what he's going to do. But it's, they have a lot of really strong, like little moments in every episode that I think catch you more than the like arc that you know is happening and you can see unfolding like it's the little little details like you have to watch it for the art yeah and for the friendship (laughs) that's where i was like having a hard time because kirstie loves a friendship narrative (laughs) i love a friendship friendship is my romance yeah and this show is all about friendship there's like very little romance I think maybe it was too, I'm going to say plain, but I don't mean plain as in vanilla. I mean plain as in, like, without agenda, like, too... Broad? No, like, too matter-of-fact or something. It was too much, like, like, it told me from the beginning, like, we are all going to be friends. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it didn't, at least this season, it didn't come at me the same way that, like, a Parks and Rec does, where, like, the agenda of that show wasn't, we're all going to feel really good about ourselves and be friends. That was where it got to, but it didn't, like, you don't watch season one of Parks and Rec and think, like, oh, okay, they're all going to be best friends. No, but I will say, to counter that, everyone knows the first season of Parks and Rec is not the best season. Yeah. And people often say that it, you know, it's one of those season shows that takes like a season to find its footing, much like Shit's Creek needed yeah. a season to find its footing. And I feel like the show just comes out of the gate knowing what it yeah, is. Yeah, it doesn't need to find its footing. No. I mean, I think like I think it simulates real life in the sense that people don't it's exactly the way people reacted to Ted Lasso himself. Like, people don't react to Mm plain-spoken, matter-of-fact people who have no agenda, who just present themselves as they are positively. Like, people don't know how to relate to people who are that unguarded. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe I just don't know how to respond to a show (laughs) that's that unguarded. Like, life imitates art, you know? I think that's fair. I think it does, like, embody Ted Lasso in the way it presents itself, which is the show itself is Ted Lasso. Yeah. Yes. That's fair. But so what was it at the end that like got you? Because you got got eventually. I did get got. So I think the other thing that like is a cliche but is like fair to state is that I did watch this post coup. (laughs) (laughs) Like in the days post coup. So I think like we're we're in the middle of COVID. We're in the middle of, like, the overthrow of our democracy. Like, it's a weird headspace to try to engage with mm-hmm. any kind of human emotion. So I think it's mm-hmm. just, like, fair to put that out there. But my journey with it was, like, 
I was watching it, watching it, watching it. Fine. It you know, it was entertaining. Like I never had a problem with it. Yeah. I've enjoyed all of the time I spent with it. But then I can't remember which episode it was exactly. But you'll appreciate this knowing me. There was a moment that made me laugh out loud. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you're funny. And then that happened, like, progressively more as the season went on. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish I could remember the moment, because I almost texted you, because it was after I had texted you to say I didn't think it was for me. Mm. Because that's like, if you guys haven't been listening to the podcast for a while, like, I don't laugh at content. No. It's noteworthy if I do. Like, if I have an outward reaction at content, that's noteworthy. Um, So it made me laugh out loud, and I was like, oh. The show, the show is maybe not my soulmate connection, but it is funny. Yeah. And then, you know, the season progresses, the plot goes, and then we got to the final episode, and, like, I wish I had written it down at the time. I don't even know now what it was, but Ted Lasso gives that speech in the locker room, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of lines that in that, like, that day... <laughs> that day and time we're just like too on the nose yeah and i literally just like broke down crying (laughs) i sobbed for the rest of the monologue of the rest of the episode he says something like something about what's worse than being sad being alone Mm. and it was just like we've all been through so much Mm-hmm. And that's so fair. Like, yeah. every time I think about it, I get misty-eyed. Aww. And like all of the all of the little ways that we haven't been alone through all of this, mm-hmm. even though we all have been. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, the whole speech just like, yeah, I cried so much. Kirsty's gonna cry on the <laughs> podcast. Cry on right podcast. <laughs> Is this a first? Is this the first time I've cried on the podcast? <laughs> that's why i prefaced it was saying that there's like a little bit of current events that's happening yeah there are there are um yeah so then that whole outbreak happened where i was like (laughs) okay now i'm having feelings yeah and again it's like this very plain speech like it's not Mm -hmm. like overly flowery there's not too much grandeur in the whole thing like but it resonated. Yeah. And it that made me... It didn't, like, make me feel things the way I usually mean that when I say that on the show. Yeah. But it did sit with me. Yeah. I have thought about it a lot since. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> Who knew Ted Lasso was going to be a brokey? Oh, no. I'm broken. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, I think there I mean there is something to the very like basic humanness of the show that yeah gets you and like there's no sense of him being like a perfect person either which I think helps and he doesn't suffer from the like the coach Taylor of it all. See, you mentioned in Pilot Palooza that there's some coach Taylor-ness to it. There is. And I think you're right. I don't disagree. But I do think he's an interesting foil to the archetype of the coach Taylor. I agree. Like, I never... 
for me, a barrier for some of these people is that they're super religious. I don't get the sense that Ted is super religious. He may be, he may not be. It's not really discussed. <laughs> I don't really worry that Ted Lasso would have voted for Donald Trump. Yes. If he is, it's in a cool way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's not like, going to, like, bomb an abortion clinic. He's just going to, no. like, believe that Jesus is okay with poor people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's, he's a little bit more, more of a person than, like, the coach Taylor on a pedestal. I think he's I also think. more of a, well, I'm gonna say this, I almost, de- I almost debated myself in it as it started to come out loud, but I think I mean it. He's more of a person, I think, maybe, than Leslie Nope. I think he is. I think she is also on a Coach Taylor pedestal, but in, like, a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, he's he's human in a different way than she is. Yeah. She always has this, like, level of unhumanness where she can stay up all night for, like, seven days in a row yeah. to, like, complete a project. Like, stuff like that. And like, and, like, she's a mess, and yet everything she does is perfect all the time. Yeah. And, like, Ted Lasso has, like, marriage issues yeah. and lashes out at people and, like... Well, and I think it's, like, he's a he's a mess who does things wrong but gets to a good outcome, which is more like the rest of us. Like, plenty mm-hmm. of us mm-hmm. handle a situation in a way that might not be the best handling of the situation, but the outcome is ultimately what we intended. Yeah. Which is all you can ask for, and I feel like that's... The Ted Lasso approach. Yes. Yes. Um, I, yeah, he's great. I love how he brings his boss biscuits every day. And then that's like one of my favorite things. Because he like you find out that he's been baking them. Yes. In his Which little you apartment. Had, you had to know that from the start, right? You find out like, yeah, in like the first episode. I think he doesn't. He doesn't say it until halfway through the season. But like. Yeah, because he reveals it because she basically screws him. Yeah, because she's trying to destroy the team and he's trying to win her over, and neither one is like the wiser about it. Really, I mean, she knows, but she doesn't know that he's gonna win. Right, and yeah, um, I don't think she knows that he really wants to win her over. I think she just thinks he's like obnoxiously earnest. Yes, she does. But she like she basically screws him over and sends Jamie Tart to Manchester or whatever. And he's like very up, like upset about it. And he's like, I'm just so mad. And she's like, well, why don't you just leave before you say anything you regret? And he goes, I hope these biscuits are bad, but damn it. I finally cracked the recipe. It's <laughs> amazing. It's so funny because there's also this whole subplot where she's had her little like henchmen, like going to yes. every bakery. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> They're trying to find the one. And it's, it's so part of funny. Her, like, obviously, her narrative of like getting over this whole yes. icy like shell that she has. Well, I think one of the things that, that is like interesting to sit with that, like, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it occurred to some people the first time around, but like, I think. So many of the characters distrust Ted because, like, like he is trying to win everybody over. He is trying to, to like, be open to everybody. And I just think, like, most people in real life 
don't understand a person who is trying to make themselves available to all the people around them. You know, like, most yeah. most individuals don't respond to that kind of, like, plainness and vulnerability and, like, I keep coming up with forwardness, but that's not the word either. But I guess forwardness with, like, well, distrust, because everyone assumes that if you're like that, you have to have an agenda. Yeah. And they exacerbate it by setting it where they're setting it, where it's, like, stiff upper lip. Yes culture yes that is fair. I, keep, I keep thinking that this show was like made for Meghan markle yes. and prince harry to sit and watch in california and, and just live their lives and love it and i hope they have because it i just, hope they have it's a world of niceness i that can you know i do think that there is like a special kind of art that they chose to do by putting an american over yeah. there mm-hmm the there's like so many bits with Coach Beard and Ted <laughs> about like the words that they use, um, and like making puns about them, and then they have other they have all these like rehearsed like things that they say yes. during practice, and it's so funny. They're very cute. Oh, they're so good. My and like, no, go ahead. I was gonna say my favorite like American abroad bit that they do is the most basic one. Where Ted almost runs out in traffic because he looks the wrong direction. Yes. Because people drive on the I've other done side that. Of the road. Everyone's done that. Coach <laughs> Beard does the human seatbelt. And it's yep. like, of all of the American Abroad jokes they do, that one is the most basic and it's still mm -hmm. my favorite. Yes. But they do like, I mean, the show is defined by like random acts of friendship. Yes. And I think that's what makes it so endearing to me. But like, there's one I was like crying last night watching where he, Ted and Ted's wife and son come to visit. And oh my God, that episode decide, was painful. Yes. They basically decide they're going to get a divorce and she leaves and it's like raining and it's dark and it's England and whatever. And he's sad, and he goes and sits on a park bench, and because of, again, like, where they are, <laughs> it's normal to take your beers outside there. Like, all of a sudden, you see a beer come into frame, and Coach Beard has brought him a beer, and he just sits down on the bench with their umbrellas, and they drink their beers. And it was, like, just such a, like, moment of friendship that didn't need dialogue. It was just, like... That is a very sweet moment. There. It's it very was, nice. It's very nice. And there's so many of those. And, like, it's not just one person. It's like everyone has. Everybody is strengthened by the friendship. And I yeah. think that is what was like inaccessible to me from the start is they like, I think the show makes it clear. Maybe it's my own cynicism or maybe it's because I, I watched or I read a lot of stuff about it before I watched it. But like, it seems like you walk into it knowing, okay, by the end of the season, everyone's going to be friends and it'll all be fine. Yeah. Um, but they all truly, like, become friends. Like, they all learn friendship, which is nice. And, like, the friendships aren't what you think they're gonna be. Like, I didn't really peg Keely and the boss to be yeah. becoming, like, friends. And, you know, it's like, 
those little things are like Nathan and everyone. Yeah. You know, like, Everybody like falling in love with Nathan is very rewarding. So rewarding. So I just rewarding. watched the one where he does his pregame speech. Yes. That was so, so good. good. I appreciated that because that move that Ted Lasso makes is totally something I would do. Ted Lasso <laughs> and I like low key have the same management style. I have so many questions about this, and I'm so scared to ever have you as my boss. Yes, I did mention to Kelsey that the beginning of the season in particular was alarming to me in the sense that I relate too much to Ted Lasso yeah. as a manager. It's gone well for me so far, for what that's worth. I mean, that positive reinforcement. Yeah. Um... <laughs> From Ted's perspective, that's a move I totally would have pulled. And, like, watching Nathan actually do it was, like, mm. so good. So good. Yeah. Um, what else about the show? I love Keely in general. I feel like we need to just... I warmed up to her. They just made her so much more of a person than she needed to be. Yes, that's, I think, why I warmed up to her. Which was just a delight. I think she's great because she is more worldly than any other character. Like, she's the worldly one. Yeah. Which they didn't have to do. They have other people who could have been the worldly one. Yeah. But I appreciate that she gets to be. And I think, like, she kicks ass and it's great. It's great. <laughs> because she kicks everyone's ass. Like, she just, like, runs circles around the entire yeah. team and just kicks all their asses. Yes. And they all deserve it. Mm-hmm. I do think, like, f from my perspective in professional sports, they did a good job, actually. Oh, yeah? Well, I just feel like the personas are so real. Maybe not of Ted Lasso. Like, <laughs> him aside. Yeah, that The not, players feel happen. very real. Like, there are are absolutely people who need their egos managed and people who are old and crusty and like it all just felt <laughs> correct i have a lot of feelings about roy i got very attached to him oh my god so this is my news okay Ooh, news. oh this is your news roy kent guys i think i know this already Five ten. Oh shit my information had him at five eleven. hot He's hot, guys. Hot. He's under the line. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's... It's great. Yeah. Yeah. He has such a good narrative. I love him, like, being a softie and also not wanting to admit it. He's the right kind of that. Like, he strikes the right balance. For sure. Yes. He... I, I was watching the one right before we got on the call where they do karaoke. Oh my god, I love that. And he's like mouthing the words to let it go in the background and it's just so good. Because he loves his niece so he much. Does. He does. I love the moment when like he's leaving, when he and Ted are leaving the school after spending all day there. And I can't remember yeah. what he says to Ted, but he like says something salty before like stalking yeah. away. And it's amazing because it's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just love the show. It's it's a good show. I am excited to watch it a second time. And 
I don't say this often, but I am excited to see what a season two brings. I am too. This I'm a little is... scared, but I think it's a. I think it'll be okay. It's the first time in a while with a streaming show in particular that I felt like having more of it is meaningful. Yeah. I mostly because I think this show like has a good balance between like having enough plot that it could remain interesting while also having a mission that can remain consistent enough. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Agree. Like most mm-hmm. shows have a mission that they especially in the streaming age have a mission that they more or less carry out in the first season and then you're like okay, now what? Right. Right. And I feel like they carried out the first part of their mission in the first season, but that doesn't mean they're done here. No, not at all. And especially because, like, the team gets relegated at the end to, like, the lower tier. This, you said this to me a while ago when you first started watching Ted Lasso, that you wanted me to watch it because you were curious about what my thoughts about sports narratives would be. We've talked about this a lot over the years. Because I don't understand the concept of sports narrative. Yeah. So first I want you to talk about the moment when you sent me that text and what oh you were God, hoping. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> what you would hope in general then for me to get in terms of education about sports narrative out of watching this season. So I think most sports narratives like require you to buy in a lot more to like the sport or Mm -hmm. to like a longer framework than you're interested in and i think that this does a good job of like disguising everything it's not about sports but like using sports narrative as a vehicle to tell stories about character development and friendship and because the sports narrative in question here is the Manchester player, Roy being old, and the team being relegated, right? Like, that's what you're yeah, thinking about specifically. And, like, the team coming together as a team and not being... Is that a thing fans care about in sports narrative? Is, like, teamwork? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels some really people, basic. I mean, it depends like... on the team. It depends on the sport that you're talking about, because some people care about, like, star power over a team. Okay. I don't know enough about soccer to comment. I don't either. But, like, in general, like, if you really like Tom Brady and you don't care about anyone else in football, then that's... (laughs) Okay, that is true in football. You know, that's, like, one thing. And basketball has a lot of that, too. Hockey's a team sport, right? Hockey's a very team sport. Okay. Baseball's, like, somewhat that, I think. But baseball's struggling in general. I don't know how baseball works. Yeah, soccer is a very team sport. Soccer is a team sport. Yeah. I will say that of all the sports I've ever watched, the most fun I had was watching soccer abroad. Mm. I was abroad for two World Series and that... World World Series? World Cups. Cups. World Series is baseball. (laughs) I said it and I was like, that's not right, Mm. but I don't know why. Yeah. Um, World Cups. And that was fun. I didn't yeah. know what was happening the entire time, but I knew it was fun. Mm-hmm. I do think soccer is like a jovial sport. I think it's something that we don't deserve, just like Eurovision. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> um, so here's what I was going to say, though, about my revelations with sports narrative. Yeah. I don't think 
if those are the three that we're identifying as being like meaningful sports narrative here, the like hotshot man, Chester player kid, I'm not interested in. Yeah. His character growth seems nominal at best to me. Yeah. Yeah. The Roy Kent narrative is amazing to me. I'm very interested in, in this idea of like, and I think I always have been to the extent that I care at all about sports, which is like point one five percent sure caring that's generous yeah (laughs) but i do think there's something interesting about players past their prime yeah yep um but i do think that they the whole like being relegated thing does set up some interesting stuff for season two Mm -hmm. and i think i've said it before on this podcast but i always love a narrative where there's like a win or lose that's supposed to play out in the final co- climax and the entities involved lose. Yeah. Like that's, yep. I, I know that's a cliche just as much as winning is a cliche, but I still love it when they lose. <laughs> I think there's more to gain when you lose. No, there narratively. Yes, there yes. is. So emotionally it's fraught, but <laughs> okay. Emotionally it's fraught, but also they made me cry for 10 minutes. So, mm-hmm. See, like, the Roy Kent Kent plot drew me in more emotionally than the team overall, but I think that's... I have some personal feelings. (laughs) Fair enough. The only reason I'll disagree is because... Well, I guess there's, like, a multi-part reason to why I disagree, but... Because Ted Lasso makes that speech. Mm. And I think that speech, like, just brings the plane in for landing in a way that's, like, very tidy and doesn't... It, like, rides the line between the audience having to do interpretation for themselves and the show saying, Hey, by the way, this is how you're supposed to feel about the thing, just just in case you didn't get there. This is what we're going for. That's the thing about sports narratives. Oh, is it? (laughs) Is there, like, a thesis with the sports narrative? The the coach speech is, like, a big theme. (laughs) Wait, does that happen in real life? I believe sometimes, yes. Oh, I thought that was just for TV. No. I can't imagine being in a locker room after losing and then having somebody stand up in front of you and actually, like, give a speech. I think that's, like, very common. Oh. From my understanding. I feel like I like that less sometimes yeah i mean it's it's certainly awkward but then <laughs> of having to having i have had to give jesus christ many pep talk in my time yeah so i guess i could see it i just like the idea of it less for some reason i i think it works well as a vehicle for plot as you're saying though and like yes fair for storytelling and like the I love there was a moment in like mid season where they're down or something and Ted Lasso like has this sign up on the in the locker room yes. and he goes he's like, I want everyone to look at me when I say this and he just turns around and like jumps <laughs> at the, the sign. It says believe and he just like jumps up and smacks. But like it's such a good emotional payoff and it's it's nothing, but it works. The only other reason I'll disagree is that um it that's what builds up the redemption arc for the other characters. Like, 
the fact that they got relegated and are going to have to come back from that builds up the redemption arc for Rebecca in particular. But no, yeah, everybody I, else yes. gets eaten up in that orbit. Yes. Yeah. No, I think more just like in the moment oh, of sure. having emotions. Sure. Everybody singing like, for Roy was very sweet. I know. <laughs> it's a good show. It is a good I show. Just, I enjoy it. I think like if you're going to choose a sports show that isn't really a sports show this is the only choice if you want a sports show that's not a sports show this is a good show if you are missing having a friendship show this is a good show but here's the Mm -hmm. problem Mm -hmm. and this is coming from a friendship skeptic everyone's gonna tell you it's a good friendship show so you're gonna walk into it wanting to feel those friendship feelings and i think it's a show that deserves time Hmm. I think that's where I'm coming down on it, because even as I've thought about it and as we're talking about it, like, I do have an attachment to it. Yeah. It's just not like I expected that I was going to have an instant attachment to it the way I did with Outlander, except mm-hmm. about friendship instead of boning. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be that strong. <laughs> I thought it was going to be this, like, because everyone just talks about how it's this, like, beautiful show about friendship and everyone just loves each other. And it's, like, this wonderful thing that just makes you feel so great all the time. Mm. So I expected to, like, watch it and be like, this is everything I've ever needed in a show. And I'm head over heels in love. And now I am spiritually fulfilled as a human being. Mm. And it turns out one season of a show doesn't necessarily do that for you. Lives in the same, probably, like, space in my heart as, like, a Dairy Girls does in terms of where it lands on friendship and how, I guess, like, few seasons there are to consume of it. It can play into that, too. That's that's true, too, because one season isn't enough for it to prove itself one way or another. Hmm. I did see, there's a really good article um, by Mo Ryan that I read and I pulled it up again because I remembered it being good. I wanted to refresh myself. (laughs) And the thing that she like comes down on is that it's a really good example of like a male, male figures who are like nurturers. Yes. This is a lot about male vulnerability. Yeah. And I think, I think that's like a, a fair point. Um, yeah to talk about and like um she gets into how like yes there's a lot of like you could take issue with him being like someone who's ill-equipped to do his job who gets the job and he's a white guy and like there yes there are things to be said there but it um Except that he only gets the job because the woman was trying to sabotage the team to get back at her ex-husband. It's not, like, not the usual framing for a mediocre white man failing up. Right. Right. Um, But, yeah, but she she does spend a lot of time on, like, how men don't have a lot of good examples Mm -hmm. in the world of not being a douchebag. Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of male vulnerability in the show, which I do think is fair. Mm-hmm. And valuable. Yeah. I think I am excited at the idea 
of having a show that sort of lives in this emotional middle for me. Like, I'm kind of actually enjoying not having a deep connection to it necessarily because I want it, I want it to have more time. Yeah. I want it to have a season two and to have a bigger narrative arc. And like, I could totally see a situation where it, so in my like mental, like shrine for shows, it's Outlander, Jane the Virgin and Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Those are like the three pillars of <laughs> life and content for me. Yeah. yeah. And I could totally see a scenario where Ted Lasso earns its way in. Yeah. I'm not ready to commit it yet. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not going to like make that, that step, but I'm excited at the idea. I'm assuming this is how people feel when they have like a good first date. Mm. having never dated i can't speak to that but i'm like excited to like see where it goes like i feel like we're at this like new beginning together and like i'm excited to see what grows from here ted lasso's gonna wear you down just like he wore down (laughs) roy kent don't worry but i'm like open to the prospect yeah (laughs) like i would let him he has to earn it but i would let him (laughs) maybe on the third date It does have season two and three renewed, so... Three? Yes. Oh, shit. That's a lot. We will be getting more Ted Lasso, and season two started this week. Yes, I saw that. Production or pre-production or something, who knows? I think I had a lackluster response to you in the Slack about it, but I was... I'm excited at the idea. I will happily watch a season two. I don't... I think it's kind of nice for once, which I feel like is rare in a in peak TV and in a time of streaming, to like walk into a second season and not necessarily have a formed opinion of of how positive or negative I think the experience is going to be. Mm. Like so often, I feel like just by what the content is, we're like, okay, this is how I'm going to feel watching it for the next ten hours yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like the idea of, like, just letting Ted Lasso decide. How I'm <laughs> but knowing you'll be in a safe space. I'll be in a safe space. And if I don't feel the feelings, then fine. Yeah. But maybe I'm going to feel some feelings. It remains to be seen. Hmm. It could go I'm either way. if you do do a second watch, how you'll feel. What's it like? I've been, like, on the verge of tears in every episode, and I was not like that on the first time around. But you're always more demonstrative with content than I am. I am, but I'm surprised it took a second watch to get there. Okay, that's fair. I can see that. <sighs> Although I'm watching it alone, which often... <laughs> <laughs> that's the real I'm, safe space. I have less self-control over myself, yeah. <laughs> What's it like to be in a scenario where I'm the skeptical one about the content? I feel like we're in a bit of a role reversal, specifically because this is friendship content. Yes. Well, that's why I was so alarmed. Because <laughs> I was like, this checks a lot of boxes because Kirstie loves a workplace. I do like, love workplace content. Yeah, she loves a friendship story. She loves kind-hearted people who are trying to do the right thing. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, is it the sports of it all? That's the hang up. Is it like the maleness of it all? Like, I don't know. Interestingly, it's not the maleness. I don't, yeah, I don't I like these men. These men are yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So far, all of these men are okay. So far. Except for Jamie Tart. 
You know, I but think he's got in, he'll have a redemption. I think in three to four seasons he could be okay. Yeah. He's clearly got trauma. Mm-hmm. We get the mini scene where he's like clearly being abused, and yeah. so yeah, there's going to be room for him at some point. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's why I was so alarmed because I was like, I think this is gonna work for her, and then she was like, I'm having a good time. And I was like, What does that mean? I then it was like a lukewarm response. <laughs> does yeah. it feel different having like the long form expression of my thoughts? I mean, yeah. you can hear that I'm, like, excited about it. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to like every content that I like. I don't, like, force my <laughs> prejudice on you and think that you're going to like it. I just no, usually, we're the same person. <laughs> I usually feel more confident about what I'm telling you you're going to like. <laughs> it is funny. It is funny because it is rare that something has been so ready-made. Like, the closest thing would probably be The Good Place, which was, like pretty pre-packaged for me i would say Mm-hmm. i'm trying to think i'm just making sure i'm not missing anything i think that's probably the next one that was like as like out of the box intended for me that didn't totally land you know it kind of did at first but i've never finished it so clearly yeah. at some point it didn't deliver all the way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i did the same thing with parks and rec i sort of got infatuated and then i didn't love the last season and a half yeah so maybe that's a sign that this will do the reverse and i won't be infatuated at the beginning and we'll have a healthy securely attached ending uh, yeah i mean i will double down on like it's so nice to have a show that knows what it's doing and is doing a good job out the gate. I think that's, like, not a common thing anymore. It's true. I love a show that just knows who it is when they wake up in the morning. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I think... Yeah. I think my take as, like, the lukewarm person in the room is, like, it's extremely good, and you'll be very happy if you watch it, and I have zero complaints. Like, there's nothing negative yeah. I can say about it. I have no notes. No notes. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> I, just, I, think, I think maybe, like, the hype is what ruined it for me. So if you've spent a lot of time on Twitter and have heard a lot of... always ruins things for you. Yeah. If a lot of people have told you that it's all about friendship and the feel goods and that you're going to feel things. You might not feel the thing that the internet told you you'd feel, Mm. but that doesn't mean it's going to be less of an experience. Yeah. Well, please chime in and tell us who is more correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We go through this all the time between you and me and different content on the show, but this is one of the funnier like role reversals we've had as a person. I know. I know. Like, typically you're, like, the closed-off one, and I'm, like, the vulnerable one, and, like, this was just not a time when I was, like, ready to receive it. But, yeah, but then it got you, it so I, I feel like there was some redemption there. <laughs> the fact that I cried at some point is, The fact like... that you cried on the podcast is, like, a real fucking okay. wild turn of events. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you can appreciate why. I can appreciate why. It was on the nose. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, 
Oh, we should mention that our fave um, housekeeper of Outlander has a really good role on this show. Yes! <laughs> I was so happy to see her. I'm so happy. And then I went back and I was watching Out... I almost said Outlet. Outlander this week, and I'm in season one, so she's back. And I was like, man, I need more content with this lady. I don't even she's care great. what. I just like her. I just she want her on something screen. else I watched recently, too. I don't know but why. She, I just like it yeah. when she's there. This is Mrs. Fitz, for those yes. of you who aren't on Kelsey and I's brainwave. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Fitz yeah, is in Ted Lasso. As the bartender at the local pub, which is also just a great character. Yes. All of the humans at the pub yes. come back around every episode. I love the pub regulars. I do, too. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap this up because it is 12.30 p.m. A.m. Ah! Whatever. That's later yeah. than I thought it was. That's late. It's like when Kirstie and I have sleepovers like we used to do <sighs> yeah. in the old times. Remember before COVID when you would come to my house and we'd stay up until one and then we'd be too old for the shit? Yeah, I do recall. <laughs> now it's like that, but with lagging internet. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> um, Yeah, if you have thoughts about Ted Lasso... Or you would like to tell us the heights of anyone in Ted Lasso, um, you can tweet to us at HateWatchWithUs, or you can send us an email to HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com, or you can click the contact button at HateWatchWithUs.com, or you can leave us a five-star review. And Ted Lasso would only leave a five-star review, so you can't leave anything below that. That's so true. I did think about looking up some heights of various men on Ted Lasso, like Ted in particular, but I was worried... He is six foot. Really? Shocking. I, know. I was worried that it would be construed as thinking any of them were hot, but I do think height energy plays into aura. So six foot is interesting. <laughs> I think the only person that's hot on this show is Roy Kent, though. I agree with that. Like, full stop. I 100% agree with that. I just think it's still interesting to know people's heights. Yeah, I'm, I don't I know how to do tarot card readings. talk about ice and auras in the same sentence. <laughs> They're the same thing. That's oh all. Oh my god. That's the no, only reason. No, it's just incredible. Like, how do you get into this horoscope game and, like, really fucking monetize this shit? I know. That's what we need to figure out. Mm -hmm. If we can figure it out, then, like, our shit will be made. It's true. Neither of us know how to read tarot cards, so we have to make our own way in this world. <laughs> Yeah. Um, speaking of people who don't read tarot cards on podcasts, we're members of the Thought Bubble Audio Network, and maybe they know how to do tarot cards, but they don't do it in any of their shows, if that's of any comfort <laughs> to you. So you can find them over at thoughtbubbleaudio.com, thoughtbubbleaudio at gmail.com if you want to send them emails about the heights of various famous men. <laughs> they don't care about that as much as we do, but I think it would be funny. <laughs> I think so too. And you can also tweet at them at Thoughtable FM. You can also search them on Patreon. <laughs> if you listen to this show and you're like, man, I hope they have servers forever, then you should find Thought Bubble Audio on Patreon. I think we're gonna start spamming them like the height of George Lucas. I think that'd be really I think fun. if we could just like find the height of every man who's ever been involved in like Star Wars. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Then let's just start sending that to the whole Thought Bubble audio crew. <laughs> but really, I think George Lucas has big fucking short man energy, so I need to know. I, yeah. Are you already Googling it? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he would be like... <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> Kelsey fell over. I'm looking at like her shoulder right now. She like fell down. For all of you out there who want to learn more about the Thought Bubble Audio Network, please start sending five-star reviews to every Thought Bubble Audio show and just leave comments that say, like, George Lucas is 5'6". That's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, Oh my God. How tall are the robots? Is he shorter than some of the robots? How tall is, like, R2-D2? No, he's not that short. Well, are you sure? I am going to put this screenshot into the Thought Bubble audio slack. He's 3'6", R2-D2. So he's, like, half of George Lucas's height. (laughs) He's slightly more than half of George Lucas's height. (laughs) This explains everything. Everything. Everything you needed to know. Oh my god, he's oh a short man. Oh my god, he's a short man. Anybody out there who's listening to this who's of this height range, please know this is not any kind of indictment. No, This it's is not. a commentary on a very specific human being, and that you human being is George Lucas. You can break the stereotype of your height easily. Height aura is about yeah. who you are as a person. Yeah. yeah. Not about your actual physical height. Yeah. George motherfucking Lucas! What a time! He's got short man energy. Wow. Wow. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Please do with this what you will, because this is important information for the world. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Sorry, I just got... Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> At 12.36 on a Saturday in a slack Apparently, full of over 30-year-olds. Apparently Outlander has spent $150,000 building a private COVID testing center at their Scottish studios. Oh, I see that. I told you it's breaking news. That just I seems mean, so extreme. They did say that they delayed this season because they wanted it to be intimate and they were worried COVID would get in the way. Okay, but $150,000 is a lot for stars. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of $5 subscriptions. Outlander is all they have. I know. That's why I'm They a must concerned. be very concerned. Like, they must be very concerned. Oh man. Okay, sorry that was Okay, just late okay, breaking we're really news. Out. Okay. Um thanks. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye again. Bye. <laughs>